trying to earn a spot with the guys, it was tough. I'm from Chicago. <laughs> we just have to kind of let you know. It means something to make it out of that city when everything is set up for you to fail. Welcome to WRTS. We run this station, the athlete run podcast channel presented by Uninterrupted. I'm Matt Perret, former professional baseball player, now social media producer, sometimes podcast producer here at Uninterrupted. And I'm joined today with John Fontanelli, Uninterrupted podcast producer. What's going on, John? Hey, Matt. Tell everyone a little bit about what they're going to hear today. So this is episode three of Who's Interviewing Who, the podcast series. The theme of today's episode is Chicago. You have Don C., a.k.a. Don Crowley, who does just Don streetwear design. Uh, you have Kathy Pondexter, recently retired WNBA player. Dude, she's been in the office before. She's really cool. And then you have Hebrew Brantley, who's an artist and known for his Afrofuturism. He was great on this. All three of them were great. I found it to be a really enlightening conversation. One of my favorite parts was about how the success of the Chicago Bulls directly influences the culture of Chicago. Mm -hmm. And it was a very lighthearted conversation at times. At other times, it got really serious in terms of the violence and the stigma associated with Chicago. And yeah. it's an important conversation to have. And it's really interesting to hear the perspectives of three young people who are from Chicago and care so much about that area because that's their community. That's where their families still live. That's where they're from. We're really excited to share this one with you guys. So take a listen. I have a question. Growing up, I know from my perspective, like, you know, what basketball and hoop culture is in Chicago, right? But from your perspective, you know, as a, as a young African-American female, right, growing up, like, how was that experience where, you know, it's like, it, it is sort of a male-dominated culture. What was that for you? Uh, it made me tough inside. You know, I'm a, a very sensitive human being, so I feel like so many different emotions and trying to earn a spot with the guys, it was tough. Like, I remember Shannon Brown telling me like, I walked in the gym, I saw you fall down. So actually a guy threw me down. I got back up and I just started killing him like crazy mm -hmm. in, the, in the game. And everybody was like so shocked. And I think that was the first time I actually got a lot of attention from the guys from that moment. So it was definitely a barrier I had to break, but you know, it just, it made me who I am now. When, when did you know like, this is what I wanna do? 10 years old. I knew, exactly. I didn't know that I would play in the WNBA. I didn't know I would be an Olympian, mm -hmm. but I knew that I wanted to play as a pro basketball player. So my, my vision was always the NBA. It was nothing else but the NBA. Mm -hmm. So I was, I felt truly blessed in 97 when the WNBA came around. Mm -hmm. What inspired you? My brother. Okay. Um, did he yeah. hoop? He played? He did, but he chose the streets though. Right. You know what I mean? That's just a reality of where we live. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he just gave me all the tools to survive and not think about that culture. So I just chose basketball. I was like an annoying little kid. I was always bored. Everything made me bored. Like, you know, whatever girls was doing, it was boring to me. And I just wanted to run around and be athletic, I guess. <laughs> so uh, my brother friend, he got tired of me running on, on the court during that game. He just threw me a basketball and I just wanted to prove to my brother that I could actually beat him. He's nine years older than I am, so it's a big So at what point too. could you beat him? Right. He would never admit it. I think I can beat him, but he'll, 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 he'll oh, To this day, you still can't beat him? Oh. <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll say that I can't beat him. He'll say that. I'll just let him have it. <laughs> That's a peacemaker. That's a little sister right, for right. you. <laughs> Gonna let him live. <laughs> so staying in, in basketball, I think Chicago, again, I'm gonna take the title. We, 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 we the home for, for basketball, right? We have the God, the GOAT, 
right? What was, what is your seminal, like Bulls era moment that you, that, that's the, if, whether it was like winning a championship or like, like for me, for example, right? It was, I think it was the, this is how bad my memory is. I think it was the first ship, but it was when everybody was on Rush Street. You remember when they turned that cab over? Yeah, that was the first that championship was the first. rally. That was the rally. No, that was person. that was the night they won because I remember oh. I was out with with my guys because I went to grade school down around there and being out with my guys definitely People didn't have no crazy. Reason. People were going crazy and. You know, we heard it all from from his spot. So we went down and people turned over taxi cabs. And it was just such a moment that I'll never forget. It felt like a riot, but it was just, it was such a joyous riot at the same That's time. That's what it was. Yeah. We, we, you know, Chicagoans, we don't know how to act. Right. So <laughs> when we come to party, we're going right. to tear up the party. Right. Man, this movie's so good, I'm going to shoot somebody. <laughs> like, this what I feel like. <laughs> so, so it's Everybody like. Everybody got to die, man. This movie's just touching. <laughs> so it, it's so just, funny. I mean, it, that's part of like, what makes us special. Right. Um, and I think we can say as Chicagoans, mm -hmm. everybody feels that. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I was a little too young to be out when the Bulls won their first I championship. Too. I wasn't, but like when they won like the three-peat, I think at that time I was like in the streets when it happened. So I had fun with my friends, you know, we went crazy. My favorite Chicago Bulls moment is probably Man, I've had so many, but probably the shot over mm -hmm. Craig Elo mm -hmm. um, when Jordan, that's mm -hmm. like 89. Because mm -hmm. that was like, the Bulls was a sixth seed that season. Right. So nobody believed. Everybody was they like, oh, done. Cleveland yeah. had a whip. They had Brad Doherty, Larry Nance, Mark Price, Ron Harper, mm -hmm. Craig Elo. And it was like, Jordan was like, I'm not going to let us right. lose this series. Right. Like, And so the, when he hit that shot, I mean, the way it felt, I was just so elated. And then I think second to that was when we overcame the Pistons. Mm -hmm. When we finally swept we Detroit. That code. Yeah, right, yeah, it was like they held us back so many years mm -hmm. and we finally like, we took the beating. I remember Pippen got beat down. He had a headache in the game. <laughs> and, and finally the Bulls, we was like, yo, we ain't dealing with these fools. We swept them. Mm -hmm. And they embarrassingly couldn't even handle it. They, Dude, they walked off they the walked court. They walked off the court before the game court. was over with. I never So I always yeah. thought Isaiah Thomas was a, a sore sport. Mm -hmm. But then as an adult, I look back at Isaiah like, man, Jordan completely took this man's city. Mm -hmm. Before Jordan, right. Isaiah, Isaiah was, was the right. god That's of true. Chicago basketball. And he went to play for the arch nemesis. Mm -hmm. So then it went from everybody loving you from your city to everybody hating you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I could understand how that probably affected him where he probably just, you yeah. know, cause he was the God <laughs> mm -hmm. of Chicago and no one today would even put him in the list as the gods yeah. of Chicago yeah. basketball. Like Jordan Pippen, is like outside as we accepted in because mm -hmm. they was home team. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, and on top of that, like, you know, the times we beat Utah two years in a row, you know, at that point I was like an, a young adult. Right. So I really enjoyed it, a different you remember, perspective. You remember, you remember Rodman and Carl Malone tripping each other up of the course, court when they did got to that like, restaurant? <laughs> Man, Rodman did so many good things. I always, I, I kind of try to train my son to be a player like Rodman. He does so many intangible things that you don't, that, that you don't see on the stat sheet, mm -hmm. like how many loose balls you mm -hmm. saved or how many 
hustle plays. That's not a stat for that. Right. But to me, that's the like the intangibles Rodman brought to the Bulls, which made those teams to me the best ever. Right. Yeah, best sure. basketball team yeah, ever. 100%. I enjoy watching Rodman a lot. Like he brought a lot of culture to Chicago oh, yeah. at a time when we needed it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like I definitely. The tattoo culture. Yes. I feel like Rodman helped build the tattoo mm-hmm. culture. I remember my first tattoo I got from a spot on the north side because they told me they did Dennis Rodman's tattoo. And I was like, oh, I'm about to, and I snuck. I had that tattoo like two years before my mother knew I had it. Uh, So yeah, definitely. And the opposite of Isaiah, Rodman became someone we hated Mm -hmm. to there we loved him. We loved him, yeah, exactly. (laughs) We hated Rodman when he was on the Pistons. And then when he became a bull, we loved him, you know? And he definitely brought a lot of like other subcultures to the forefront that we we loved, you know? So man, Rodman was amazing. Nah, he was he was he was a loud player, man. Not just in terms of how he played, but the way he lived his life and just didn't give no fucks. Like it was just no fucks given, and I, you can't do nothing but respect. You know, I love so, yeah. I love Rodman. Yeah. Like probably top five basketball players of all time in my book were Dennis Rodman. Uh, I, like I just said, I kind of I try to tell my son to emulate his game because the way he hustled, the way he get up under people's skin, like. People don't have teammates like Dennis Rodman anymore. But the league is is so different now to where it's like, would a Rodman even fit into? Well, everybody want the big check. So if you do the things Rodman do, you're not going to get the stats yeah. to get you that big check. Patrick Beverly. I don't oh, yeah. know. Oh, yeah. That's true. Shout yeah. out. Shout out. Yeah. Yeah. I always that's say true. Patrick Beverly is a player like yeah. Rodman. Yeah. And, that, and when you have those superstar players, you need somebody on the team that's like a Rodman for them. So exactly. I love uh, Patrick Beverly because... I mean, the way he defend and he be serious mm-hmm. like they like LeBron tried to take him like a joke when right. he was like, I got him. He was like, right. whatever. And he <laughs> deed him up. Stone face. Deed like, him I mean, up. Dead serious. Right. And I remember how Tony Allen was. Exactly. What did Kobe mm-hmm. say? He was like, this man defended me better than anybody ever mm-hmm. in my career. Like, so I think that scrappy play like. The way we have to make it as individuals in the city is sort of what we apply in our t- our careers and our paths in life mm-hmm. to make us just, you know, special. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we proud of it. Right. And everybody from Chicago, that's all they got to say. You know, I'm from Chicago. <laughs> it, it's like, what does that mean? My, my wife used to, before she was like really accustomed to Chicago culture mm-hmm. because she's from Springfield, she would say, what does it mean when everybody from Chicago says, I'm from Chicago? <laughs> and I said, we just have to kind of let you know and let you know, let you know. Right, right. <laughs> it's, it is a badge of honor, though. I mean, it, it, it means something, <laughs> especially not only just to be from the crib, but to make it out of the crib like not to sound like cliche like you know but it means something to make it out of that city when everything is set up for you to fail and then also everyone is hating on you until you do that pivotal thing right it's like they have nothing but negative towards you and then you blow and then oh man i always rock with you it's the city of haters like i mean you know, I'm guilty of it. I hate it. And I tell them, I was like, oh, let me catch my Chicago hate. I was like, man, let me be happy right, for this. Right. And I, I think it's like that negative, pessimistic attitude is just something that's just like kind of put on us. And I'm just, like I said earlier, I'm just happier for the younger generation kind of shifting that. Mm-hmm. And I don't see it as much as like when I grew up, like it seems like, people genuinely accept one another and kind of respect one another a little more than what we did. It's just, I guess the young folks killing each other, that's 
that's something that we really gotta we gotta fix. Right. You know. But do you think do you think the hate comes or came from a position that there weren't many of those doors to walk through? So like if you made it through that door, right? Like man, F Don or whatever. I'm hating on Don. But, you know, now that there's you can walk through that door and then in parallel, there's three other doors that are open for other people to, you know, have that opportunity. That gives us more hope. Right. You know, we got a black female mayor now. Right. So, you know, I think that just gives hope for now young black girls Mm -hmm. to have a model to look at and say, wow, I could do that, you know. Mm -hmm. So I just think it's more hope and that's what allows it to be a little less hate. Right. You know, honestly, it's just, it's tough because like we have, we have to focus so much on our careers to make it out that you don't have time to think about anything else but yeah. what's around you and that's your family. Mm-hmm. And I feel like now, especially for me, I had to move to this, from the city to see that. I was just, I couldn't understand why we couldn't support each other. I'm just like, well, why though? Like it can make us that much stronger, but now, I think we're starting to get the picture, like you said, because like at the end of the day, it's it's about survival and we need our gener- our future generation, period. Mm-hmm. Right. I'd rather somebody tell me straight up than rock with me, than to smile at me. Oh man, love what you're doing. Oh, absolutely. The faking and yeah. shaking is mm-hmm. like super <laughs> weak because it's like you think you got an ally when you don't. Right. And, and we so used to that, we keep our guard up because of that. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it actually allowed me, I had to, take advice from a younger person to be like, man, y'all could drop y'all guard a little bit. Like everybody not negative. Right. And cause I was just so used to, to get man, let way. people yeah. in, they abuse you. You know, they do something funny style or they trying to really take you down, but act like they down with you. So, I mean, but I think these situations occur in sort of every city you know yeah it's just we think it's all on us because we from the crib but it's the same elsewhere i talk to people from other cities and they're like yo i don't get the support from my local community but i get love when i go elsewhere and i think now because the world is such a big bubble with social media our local community sees we get the love elsewhere. So they say, oh, okay, that's that's my boy. That's my homie, you know, that y'all sweating. Oh, I've been knew him, you know. And so whatever works, I just like to just spread the love and and try to continue to just be positive and support everybody. How do you think that our city is portrayed in the media like you know what again like you know <laughs> it's negative all, yeah like they make it seem like you should be scared to come to chicago yeah that's literally like i have people from other cities that's like yo is it safe mm-hmm. should i come there for Lollapalooza? <laughs> and i'm like yo fam well you gonna be at for Lollapalooza? Right. you ain't gonna yeah, see no you have yeah. nothing to worry about right. like every major urban city has bad neighborhoods mm-hmm. but the media makes it seem like it's literally like Chirac, mm-hmm. like a war zone, and it's not. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's what I like about the, the TV show, The Shy. It shows the comfort of the community. Like, man, I don't care how quote unquote bad the neighborhood is on the South Side or the West Side, it's genuine people. Right. People care about each other. It's just, of course, it's always rotten apples in every bunch. Mm-hmm. That's like, you know, that's disrespectful or, you know, or setting a bad example for others, but for a whole, like 
people want their communities to be nice. Mm -hmm. You know, people on the south side and the west side, they still mow their lawn, they still upkeep their crib. You know, I come from very poor means and I didn't know we were poor because we had a clean house. Right. And we had an upkept lawn. Took care and of what you had. Yeah. And so I really didn't know that was poor, you know, until I saw my other friends' houses. Like, man, <laughs> y'all balls. <laughs> you know? Like, um, you know, so I just think as long as like the communities need to remember, like, man, we need to take care of what we got. Like we have beautiful areas. And one thing I got to applaud even about the city, like even in the hood, the city keep up the parks. Mm -hmm. Chicago keep yeah. their parks up. That's true. Yeah. That's and true. I really appreciate that because when you travel the world, you see so many other cities that don't have parks. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, this is something that the city of Chicago does to just make it be beautiful. Like you go to the hood, west side or south side, and it still flowers in the park. Right. And it's still a play lot where, you know, where for the most part, people try to take care of it. Mm -hmm. So, and we're not giving the north side no love, but I guess for some reason, we just don't get a north side love. What is that? I feel like, cause the north side <laughs> is so, it's so, it. Though it's people that are from Chicago, it's still such a transplant spot. Like, well, because I move around, like it's hoods on the north side. That's true. It's straight hoods on the north side. But I think for the north side as a whole, it's like you think of like Wrigleyville or Lincoln Park. So you, you, you're thinking it's affluent, you know, but I, I just like the, I don't like the segregation. I like to shout out everybody, you know, like, cause it's like, everybody from the shot, you know? And if we won, we shouldn't even feel like West side, South side. Like, uh, you know, I went to an event 312 day and people was like, man, 773. I'm like, are y'all just gonna make this not be united? You know, like, and 312 day was on March 12th, on 312. I was like, it ain't no July 7th, okay? You know, like, so like, can we just be one as the shy, you know? So I think, like I said earlier, it's just that mentality that we just continue to got to keep shifting. Right. I'm just happy that like Jordan came into Chicago at that time period because it brought a lot of like joyous days for us. Like we were happy, you know what I'm saying? As, a, as communities, as a culture, South Side, West Side, it didn't even matter. We were just happy. We all celebrated Jordan and the Bulls. After that whole like period where the six championships were won, it was just like, all right, it was back to reality. So we had like a bad spot where it was like all negative and all, only thing that was really shouted out was the violence for our city, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? But during this time, the gang members, they were taking care of all the athletes, you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? It wasn't right. a lot of craziness. Mm -hmm. It was just like all posit positive vibes in the city, you know? So like, I don't know if our sports teams got to get it together, specifically the Bulls, to make it better. To make it, I mean, that, definitely I, I that will help. Yeah, I think that would <laughs> you know I mean, we know coming up in the 90s, like that made it fun and something to do you know, to watch, but follow the team. So, you know, definitely like, if you care about Chicago, like in the upper management of the Bulls and ownership, like you can save lives by making the team better. <laughs> right. Like, this, this should be the campaign in the play. Like, please, look, look, let's draw a direct correlation between the violence and the Bulls. Boom, there it is. It's the Chicago Bulls fault. <laughs> Chicago is so violent right now. Man, and they taking, actually a point that Cappy mentioned about the gang leaders took care of the athletes. Mm -hmm. Like that's something that is overlooked. Yeah. Like, you know, before rappers, I used to always say before rappers was street hustlers or street guys that was our local celebrities. Right. And our kids, we looked up to them because they was the guys with the money. Mm -hmm. And when you come from a, poor community, 
somebody with money get your attention. Right. They got a nice car. They got nice clothes. They giving money out. So, you know, it is overlooked that the gang leaders and the street hustlers, they did look out for the kids that they saw with the exceptional talents mm -hmm. and protect them right. so they can so go they on to be flourish, better right, things, exactly. be flourish yeah. things. And when the gang leaders were taken in the mid nineties, that's what sort of like messed up the structure on the streets. Mm -hmm. Like the gangs was instituted to actually keep peace, mm -hmm. to make it where right. if you sold drugs in front of kids, you would get violated. Exactly. If you you know, involve something that an innocent bystander, something happened, you would get violated, you would get dealt with. That kept structure. Once they took that away, it's just renegade. It's outlaws out here. And that's sort of where the young kids today, that and also like it looking cool on YouTube to have a guns and everything, that kind of culture made it seems like, I feel like the kids today, they don't think life is real. Like it's like a video game or something on TV. Like, oh, let me just shoot you. Mm -hmm. Like, nah, you're life not gonna come precious. back to that. Right. You, you don't get another shot. At, you know, you, that's not like a video game. It's like, oh, I got three lives, <laughs> you know? But that's almost like the mentality they have. Like, it's not real. And so we just gotta keep impressing on them. Like, man, they life is real and they can really get out of the uh, adverse circumstances and be amazing people, you know? Do you think like gentrification helps or hurts in, in the standpoint of like community growth, you know, like, I, I mean, obviously like the, the intent is so that, you know, we can, the real intent is obviously, you know, to, to sort of rebuild communities, right? But like when you're displacing so many people and you think about like, I mean, Stateway is gone, like all the big projects are gone. And I mean, Cabrini was what it was. I mean, it has, you know, a number of like terrible statistics in terms of murders and deaths, but like, there was still a fostered community there. And now like so many families, you know, are displaced. Do you think that that helps or hurts? Um, I think the intent is good, but I think it actually hurt a lot of people. Mm -hmm. uh, it made people leave their community and had to go elsewhere because they couldn't afford to no longer right. live in their community. Mm -hmm. um, once you make Cabrini an area where the homes are 10 times the cost of what they were before, you're moving the people out. Mm -hmm. And um, when you talk to like the project, um, projects getting taken down, it's like, you know, people that come from the projects sort of have like really a mentality of like, we're in this fort, mm -hmm. it's a messed up situation, we're in it together. When you put them in the field, without the proper tools, it's sort of like displacing them when they don't know how to act. It's almost like how people become like jail shock. Yeah. Like a guy yeah. that goes to jail, yeah. when he gets out, he like feels displaced. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I think, and I mean, it's a reason why they would call it projects. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a project <laughs> that Great. was not a good project, you know. Uh, but, you know, we just gotta, we, Man, no excuses. We Chicagoans, right. we beat the odds, you yeah. know? So we gotta continue to help each other beat the odds uh, and just rise from above it, you know? But it definitely like messed up the communities where it just displaced everybody. You know, when you take a, a group of people that's all one community in a project and then you throw them out in the, it's like the they don't know like how to throw them in the water. Yeah, they don't like know how to, to swim. you know, they used to this one thing. Right. So I think education is important. Mm -hmm. And now the resources are here for people to even educate themselves. So, you know, I just want to continue to encourage people to just keep keep 
upbuilding each other, you know, keep I think showing each other. Education is important, but I also think, you know, with education, I think, you know, like the arts is equally as important, you know, where like, again, a lot of these schools lose funding, get, you know, funding cut and, and like the arts is the first thing to go. And I think, you know, that is one of the most crucial components in school because, you know, it just, art can be meditated, you know, it can, mm -hmm. it can, it can transform. And I feel like, you know, I'm not saying it's just cause I'm an artist, but I, 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 from experience, like, you know, taking the arts out of school, school, first of all, for majority of kids, isn't a fun place, right? Sometimes it's, it's, it's like, a, it's a, it's a, it's a safe space or supposed to be right. Or it's the thing to do where for some kids is to go, you know, get food, you know, get some shelter, get some, you know, some, some, some salvation for X amount of hours. And then you back kicked out into this hard world. Yeah. But, you know, it's, I, I feel like the, the, one of the biggest things is, is Chicago's problem is like, obviously it's like the educational system, right? And I feel like a lot of that needs to sort of be rethought and really challenged in terms of how that functions and how that operates. Because, you know, everybody, you, you and myself, we all learn differently, you know? Mm -hmm. And I know for me, like school was not my jam. I didn't, I didn't, you know, I, I was the zone out kid. You know, I didn't, there was so much that I, I, I went in one ear and out the other. And I feel like, you know, that is a huge problem. I mean, it's for all cities, but for Chicago as well, like for Chicago to be such a beautiful city, right? But, you know, to only get that beauty if you go to certain parts of it. Right. You know, like mm -hmm. I grew up, like Southside, when we when we came up, you had like Afro Cobra movement. You had like all the, you know, the 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 old sort of revolutionary murals and, you know, the, the things of the time that like really signify the time, but it was beauty, it was beauty in black culture. And like, those stuffs are relics. That's like of the past. You don't mm -hmm. see that no more. And so, Again, this is why I feel. I'm sorry, I got on my high horse. I got my but but <laughs> nah, I just I feel real. like it's 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 extremely important, man. It's like, you know, like dealing with some of these children and some of these kids from from different communities, underserved communities, and and just even doing little art projects with them and seeing how transformative it can be for them, and for them to realize that this is actually a thing that they can do in life that they never even fathom. Like, you know, I have kids like, how, how, how you make money? Like, well, I sell art. Well, where you sell art? You know, like, and they, they, they can't even conceive that as a, as a real thing because it's only just what they've seen in this, in this bubble, so. It's, to add to your point, like, I, I literally went to elementary school at a private institution, right? My parents put me in a private institution. So when I transferred out of the private institution to a public school in eighth grade, I was I was in culture, culture shock. shock. I was like, what is this? Like, we're not even learning nothing. nothing. Like, literally, it's like recess and time out. You know, it's like it's it's no no education part to it at all. It's just like, are right, you here for a couple hours and that's it? So when I chose to go to John Marshall High School, I was artistic. So I couldn't understand like how they viewed me, and I couldn't I I didn't understand that school. And the only thing that I was really focused on is just being a, you know, an athlete and winning championships because that's what John Marshall was about, mm -hmm. you know. So it was, it was so different for me. I just didn't understand why, like you said, they took the arts away, you know, because everybody' interest is not right. math or science, social studies, you know. Like, like, like damn, <laughs> what you learning from this? Like, how you? How, how is this how applicable? Much, how much algebra do you really do on your in your in your, in your day to day? 
I feel like math should have been more like teaching you finance, mm-hmm. like how to like money management. Yeah, yes. money management. Exactly. It should be math. You know, that's the math we was trying to learn, but just on the streets. Right. You know, uh, yeah. I mean, the, the point about the curriculum needed to be changed is super on point because it's like the kids they bored mm-hmm. and they're not being stimulated, like learning about things that just do not relate to them and not thinking about their interests. And so that's like what really needs to happen is like, we need to dial into like, what are the kids' interests? Right. And then figure out how we can teach them principles that they can apply when they're older to make them better individuals right. and better human beings that can service communities, you know? It's just the curriculum need to change, that's it. Mayor, mayor, mayor. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really, I'm not up on the new mayor, to be honest. But she came out of nowhere. Yeah, I never even heard of her. And then she won. I was like, who's this woman? Because it was the other lady chance endorsed I thought was going to win. And then the other lady won. I was like, oh. But, but like I said, I think it's an amazing feat for a black woman to be the mayor of Chicago. Man, that's amazing. It gives other people hope for that. I really don't know what she represent right. or nothing like that. So I'm not. I'm just, I'm ignorant I'm, and I'm sorry uh, that I'm ignorant of that, uh, but. But I, I, sim- I, I think that, you know, just simply, you know, without understanding her politics or the campaign that she, you know, she sort of won on, but it's like, there's simple things that sort of need to, 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 to take place in order to affect change. And I think that, you know, for one, it is seeing a strong black woman in office, right? Like it is, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like, it's like the Obama effect. It's like, you know, for the period in time where Obama was in office, especially when he first got in office, right? As a black person, you kind of felt like, man, things is gonna be all right. You know, things is <laughs> you okay. Gave everyone right. hope. It's so much hope. You know, one, you felt change was coming, right? Like something was, you know, you felt like this person was rallying around you. You felt like it was a more personal connection with your politicians. And again, I'm not one for politics, but I think that like, you know, there's an empowerment that can happen when you see people that look like you in these positions of power, right? And it's 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 something that, you know, I don't know where the change will sort of start, but I know that they can start there just at that base level of like having my mayor look like, you know, me or she's from my family, you know, mm-hmm. and, and and feeling a relatability to that person in power as opposed to someone else that looks like no one I've ever met before. And, you know, and for a city like Chicago, as segregated as it is and, you know, as 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 as, as tense as it can be sometimes on, on, on the racism side, minus Jesse, you know, in his whole situation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, yeah, it's it's I think it's a great thing, man. And again, like I don't I don't pretend to know her politics and, you know, um, but I, I again, I, I just think it's it's a it's a it's a wonderful thing from, you know, first and foremost, from the aesthetic standpoint. I mean, it's great to see a woman in office, mm-hmm. obviously, and a woman of color. You know, like you said, it's it's cool to see successful people that look like you because that's empowering, encouraging for the younger generation because that's what matters most. So it's cool because like me growing up, I only knew Harold Washington. Mm-hmm. That's all I knew. And Harold had a short time. You exactly. Know, unfortunately. So and, and not just our mayor, like the other figures from Chicago, yeah. you know, it's just encouraging to see. It's so amazing because when we were coming up, literally, it was only basketball. Like, that's what you, and so if you didn't have basketball skills, you was like, that, that's the only way I'm gonna get out. So it's amazing to just see so many other figures in different lanes get out the city. And I think that's just gonna continue to encourage the youth. Last question of the day. 
How did Chicago influence you on what you do now? What you do now? For me, like every city that I go to and play, I'm like proud to say like, yo, I'm from Chicago and somebody asked. Like I lived in Europe for majority of my life, you know? So people will always ask like, where are you from? I'm like, Chicago. And I'm like, oh, it's such a beautiful city. So to hear like others talk about our city, you know, is super cool. And for me, like my legacy is to continue to um, drive positive things from our city. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Cause I know what we played from. I know what I came from. So the only thing that's on my mind is to make the city better. Um, my parents are still living there. So I always think about them. Do you get back often? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, if I get a phone call to say any opportunity comes when it comes to kids, um, there's no second guessing. There's no, yep, put me down. Right. I, I don't need a conversation. Mm-hmm. Put me down. Absolutely. Yeah, I think with me, like I mentioned, like basketball culture was so instrumental in raising me and I knew I wasn't gonna make it to the league. Mm-hmm. So I just tried to figure out how to apply the principles of making being the Michael Jordan of whatever I was trying to do. Mm-hmm. So uh, I love sneaker culture. Mm-hmm. I always said, man, how can I have a shoe? You know, how can mm-hmm. I figure this out? And so I just was able to figure it out through design. Um, you know, I was able to work in when hip hop community was bubbling. I, I tried to rap, I couldn't rap that good. <laughs> but then I figured like, man, it's other things that I could do mm-hmm. to add value in hip hop, you know? And so that's what, it's just applying the principles towards what you do. Mm-hmm. And that's the main thing. It's like, man, you know, all the kids out here, I know people going to say like, oh, you could be the next Barack Obama. or You could be the next Michael Jordan. One in a million, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> probably not, right. you know, right. but you could be the next. You, you. can aspire to, you know, be, you yeah. can aspire to be the principles that Barack and Mike have displayed. You can. Mm-hmm use to be the best you yeah, and then your name now is going to be synonymous with theirs in the future right so that's what it's all about like just playing your lane and you know applying positive principles to whatever your god-given talent is because i truly believe everybody got talent is there a secret don c mixtape that nobody's heard <laughs> songs <laughs> that people heard that oh, but they weak so don't bring them up or embarrass me in the comments <laughs> No, yeah, no, I I think, you know, from from the standpoint of like visual arts, Chicago was always, um, you know, just like in music, like it's underrepresented. I used to, I remember back in the day, like listening to old hip hop groups, I used to get mad when they ain't shout out Chicago, you know, like this New York and that, like, like say Chicago, nobody would say Chicago. Um, But, you know, it was sort of that thing where like, from a visual standpoint, there were like two different type of art movements happening in Chicago where it was like decorative, where it's like, I'm gonna match this with my my couch, right? And then like blue chip, right? Like the high, highest, you know, in artists. And so there was no other space. And a lot of that one was because daily outlawed graffiti, you know, spray paint, like you couldn't even buy it in the city. So, but Chicago was still stuck in a space where like, you know, it was just graffiti culture. There was no street art culture. There was nothing else beyond cats doing wild styles and, you know, throw ups and stuff. And I think that like, for me, you know, putting that Chicago accent on something, a, a movement that was already sort of happening around the world and bringing my spin to it was 
was something that, you know, helped me sort of stand out and become like one of the the the, 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 the forebears of, you know, and now you look at Chicago street style, like street art and street artists. And the, the one thing I'll say is like, we have an overabundance of artists that are doing character based work, you know, and it's like, I'm happy to say that, like, I could help sort of, you know, pioneer and bring that to, to the table. But, you know, Chicago, I mean, it, it's it's in everything. It's how I drink my water. It's like, you know, it's it's, it's in everything. And, and I have to commend you, Don. You have the greatest Chicago accent of all time. I won't time. let it like, go. You are all the time, bro. I won't like, let it go. All time. It's funny because, like, sometimes I'll hear it, like, if, you know, if I'm listening to myself, I hear it come out. I was having a conversation not that long ago. We were talking about Chicago accents because someone was asking, like, what's a Chicago accent? I was like, yo, listen to Doncey. I was like, that is the most genuine. Everybody else turned it official. off. <laughs> Everybody else. And people like, ask me, know, like, a... are you from the southern region of America? <laughs> and like, yeah, south side of Chicago. <laughs> but it's a hard thing to turn off because it's like, even when you try to turn it off in, in, in certain settings, there's words and things you say that's just like, it's Chicago. Yes, it's it's Chicago. Just yeah. We got our so, own language. so yeah. crazy. <laughs> Yeah. We do. We got our own way of doing things. Well, this was dope. Man, I super yeah. appreciate this. I appreciate the opportunity. Uninterrupted has given us to sit down and yeah. chat. And we got to do it again. Yeah, 1,000. For sure. All right, y'all. Love. I'm out. Thanks for tuning in, you guys. Make sure you subscribe to WRTS for more Who's Interviewing Who, as well as Film Study, a podcast that I produce. Uh, that's hosted by Spencer Pacinger, former NFL player, now Hollywood producer. He also hosts it with his producing partner, Dane Mork. Also, be sure to check out R2C2, a podcast featuring Yankees pitcher CC Sabathia and his co-host Ryan Rucco, where they discuss baseball, culture, life in New York City, as well as Needing Dough, the podcast featuring our very own Maverick Carter and Andrew Hawkins. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and tune in next week for another edition of Who's Interviewing Who on WRTS. 